0: Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org.
1: Renewed mind. How we put on the new man is by having our minds renewed. The new man. The new man means the person. And it's not about an age thing. And it's not about a gender thing. It says the new man. But when Paul speaks of this term, the new man, he's talking about Christ in you. When you've received Christ to come into your life. And that's what Jesus referred to when he was saying be born again. When you're born again, when your spirit becomes new that that occurs so you're putting on this new man and that occurs through having your mind renewed because your mind goes to old ways of thinking the mind is a it's a wonderful and I know that each of us know this the mind is wonderful and awful The mind can think and generate the most lovely thoughts and tell you what a wonderful uh, shepherd's heart I have. And then my mind can go, I'm sick to death of so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and and -and want to quit. (laughs) That's just being completely honest. Everybody has this. mind is, I think my spouse is the greatest thing since sliced bread until... And then they do... I am so tired of that you do that all the time. And then you start speaking in superlatives. Well, they probably don't do it all the time. <laughs> you in trouble. No, you in trouble. And you're going to probably be in trouble. I saw you nodding and laughing. So you're in trouble too. So our minds do this. Everybody does this. When it becomes difficult and that's what Paul's trying to write into this he's saying hey you have to think through terms of having been born again and you've actually been given a new mind a new spirit that with a new mind that thinks in a what Paul said was a new and different way a God way 1 Corinthians says this, he says, We've received the mind of Christ. And he starts, that's in the whole thing where he starts talking about deep calls unto deep. That's why a person like, you look, look at the stories, you look at a person like John Bunyan. John Bunyan was an uneducated derelict until God found him, and then he wrote Pilgrim's Progress. John Bunyan, uneducated, could barely read and write and wrote Pilgrim's Progress. Still the second most read book in the world or was a few years ago. It's amazing because he put on, he became a new man. Uh, Amazing grace. We all know the story of the ship captain who got saved. He was blind, but now I see and changed his whole way of living to write that song that we still sing today. You know, and some weird little Irish guy, you know, in the fourth or fifth century, writing uh, "Be Thou My Vision," that the church still sings today. It's one of the oldest hymns that we have. You know, and he's just—we don't even know who he was. Or she? Don't have any idea. So God wants us, we can put on this new way of thinking. Where do we find that? Well, we find it actually in three places. In scripture, in prayer, Holy Spirit speaking to us, and in each other. Hearing hearing each other speak that. In those three ways, you can have your, your mind renewed. Now the danger with that is that sets up this thing is my mind can think in old ways. Those become what Paul referred to as strongholds of thinking. Now lots of us have been taught many, many uh, scriptures. I did the mindset thing. But this is the thing that I found breaks up old ways of thinking. There's two things. These are the primary two means, and we did this last week. Grace and truth. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. But grace, if you don't have a foundational definition of, of your life, it's just like what we were talking about earlier, and what we're going through. Um, as God brought me back home to grace, he, started, he took me through a history lesson, just the Holy Spirit and I and started asking me the questions that he asked Paul don't don't you think my grace is sufficient you know and he started doing a history lesson with me don't you think it was sufficient for the first century church didn't she not only survive but flourish and then he went uh, what you call the dark ages wasn't my grace sufficient for my people, that they grew through that and the church grew and prospered? Through the stranglehold of the church then becoming powerful. As wasn't his grace sufficient? Didn't she still exist? Through what's known as pro- Protestantism, to protest the form of church government that existed and the ways of looking at things. And what happened at that? Wasn't his grace sufficient? And when he was speaking to me, he said, what you call your great world wars, wasn't my grace sufficient for my church? And then he took it right back home to my life. Hasn't my grace been sufficient in your life? So grace is this package, this commodity. It's why I, you know, you love grace more than Jesus. No, I love Jesus because he is grace. Grace. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. These are the two, one's a definition and the other's a description. These are the most accurate that I've been able to, because grace literally just means unmerited favor. It's a favor of God. We just sang a song about it, God's favor being upon us. But these two definitions grace is the absolute, that's a key word. It it means it's not relative to anything else. It doesn't change. This is an absolute. This is concrete. It doesn't move. Grace is the absolute and unforced favor. Nothing makes it happen. You can't get grace to happen. You receive it. Gained by Christ's death and resurrection allowing God to be completely for us this is a foundation in your heart because if you think that God might not be for you this day that he's maybe angry with you he's disappointed disillusioned discouraged and sick and tired of you doing the same old dumb stuff if that's your view you don't have a view of God's grace god 's grace is like being a parent you don 't like what your two year old 's doing but they don 't stop being your two year old they're still your two year old no matter how messy they are so he 's allowing God to be completely for us and endlessly in love with us he doesn't he doesn't even he doesn't even use love as a commodity uh, uh, and I've heard, I've said in lessons that I've heard people teach this, well, God will lift his hand of grace off you so that you suffer the consequences of what you're doing. That's a despicable God. That's a mean-spirited, gonna-get-me-right God. That's not God. He's not forced in that. He's endlessly in love with you. Everything that God does in your life is redemptive. Everything, 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 always. So, even if you do suffer for doing wrong, that didn't diminish God's love for you. Matter of fact, it proves God's love for you. See, we always think that guy got in trouble because God was judging him. No, God leaving him alone to keep doing what's wrong is judgment somebody getting caught that's God's mercy that's not his judgment we've been taught really bogus stuff the worst thing you can do is keep doing the same wrong stuff and it's okay it's not okay it's not okay in the economy of God's love it's not okay you're hurting the thing that he loves and He would go no so it's not God's judgment it's God's endless love is this making sense Apart from, here's this last sentence, apart from anything we must prove. If you're still trying to prove something with your life to get God to love you, you don't understand grace. A very interesting, a dear friend died last year and his kids came into town and his kids are really my kids too. They're my spiritual children. We hadn't been around each other for a long time and I was riding uh, with him and he looked at me and he said, Lloyd, you don't have anything left to prove, do you? I went, no. He said, oh, you're a dangerous man. I went, oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm, I'm dangerous. <laughs> Whatever dangerous looks like. <laughs> But you know what? I'm dangerous. I'm dangerous. Because I'm finally getting to know who God is. And I'm finally getting to know who I am. And it does make me dangerous. Not to you, but to evil. Then he does a description of what grace is. First the definition, then he describes it. He says grace is an actual realm. Don't think of grace as like... Okay, I'm going to pick on you, Joe. Joe's really sweet. Yeah, he really is. He's just a sweetheart of a guy. Not always. Uh, that was for you. Because <laughs> I like you, too. But he's, just a, he's a sweetheart of a man. He's also a strong man. Uh, but that doesn't mean that that's everything about Joe that's not everything about his life that's a part of who he is so don't think of grace as being a part of God or like great, grace is the yummy part that I get when everything's good and that he's really, sort he's of a really good guy until you make him mad that's grace is an actual realm it's a it became a that's why it says grace and truth came by Jesus Christ he instituted something when he came not in how he lived here how he died here and was raised from the dead what he did instituted a realm of living that we get invited into uh, Peter put it this way. He says, "Listen, you've been translated out of darkness into light. That's grace. Is it magic? It's bigger than magic. It's 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 bigger than C.S. Lewis Chronicles of Narnia. Old magic. This is this is the real stuff. This is the stuff that renews the mind." It's an actual realm, a way of life, which we no longer strive for acceptance. I'm accepted in the beloved. If you can just pray that even this week, just every day get up and go, I'm accepted in the beloved. And it starts to renew your thinking. You're going, huh? I don't have to do anything. To, I don't have to do the right confession prayer like I got everything cleaned up first. No, you're accepted in the beloved. Nothing will change that. Did you hear me? Nothing will change that. Doesn't get more? You're more accepted? No. Doesn't get less? You're less accepted? No. You are accepted in the beloved. That's why I was teaching about living from a conclusion. That's where all these things come from. When you live, I don't have to prove anything? No, you don't. But we mature and heal and are released. To his intentions. God has intentions Sorry, you. Everybody wants to talk about God's will. You are God's will. But he wants you to fulfill his intentions. He, ha- he intends things to occur here. If you think God's given up on America, you don't understand this realm. He has intentions. Because I'm here. He's, he's going to take care of America because of you yeah and you yes his intention by trusting that Jesus in all his power is fused into us creating an entirely new person Now I've said this a bunch of times I've used this for a lot of years but you are no longer homo sapien you are now homo christian Christ in you the hope of glory You are not an empty shell. Think about this. The eternal seed of God got planted in you. An incorruptible, he teaches in 2 Corinthians, an incorruptible seed planted itself in you and is growing. What? It's not about you learning to be different. There is the seed of Christ growing in you. You can nurture it. You can help it. You can give it the, the stuff that makes it grow huge and stuff, but you can't produce fruit of the Spirit. That's His work. That's Him, not you. You're not, if you are kind at all, it was God, not you. Because that's one of the fruits of the Spirit is kindness. Joy. If you're happy, even when you're sad, do you know what I'm talking about? I'm happy even though I'm I'm joyful, even though I'm sad. Like, I got really some sad things going on right now, but I am joyful. Well, that's that seed that was planted in me, which is Christ. And we have left those traditions, and it's how we get on a renewed mind. Okay, just couple things to set you up and I want you to come back if you can and if you can't I don't know I'm gonna get it up online but that's the truth part that we talk there's a series of scriptures here that if you can connect them together these start forming a canon of understanding canon meaning means this so the word canon for all, for especially for you kids The word canon means the big understanding, the big picture of what God's doing. And that's referred to as canon. Why? I have no idea. I don't know why they use that word. It's not like a howitzer canon, but it means the canon of Scripture means the overarching theme of what God's doing and how he does it. So the canon of Scripture is when we start taking scriptures and we're not cherry picking them to stand alone to prove a point but we string them together to get an understanding of grace and truth so we don't take one scripture we look at all scripture and how it works in harmony and what it means and so i want you to look at these right now 2 Corinthians 3:17 now the lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the lord is is liberty if you have strongholds of thinking then that means that somehow huh the spirit of the lord is there but i'm not getting liberty i'm still bound now remember he came got to connect this back to a couple weeks ago isaiah 61 he came to set at liberty the Captives. Now he's not talking about people in prison. When he's referring to that, he's talking about those who are trapped in their thinking that can't seem to see another way. They can't see their way through it. Have you ever felt trapped and you couldn't see your way through it? Going, oh, these are horrible circumstances. That's when you move into that realm of grace. Because then you connect, he writes to Timothy. God has not given us a spirit of fear because strongholds produce fear and are held together by fear. So he says, be anxious for nothing. That's another scripture. But fear binds us into old thinking. Always takes you back and not the good kind of back. Always takes you where you got stuck. You Got stuck in any places in life? Yeah, there's an old song by U2 that now you say they're old songs. There's a song by U2 that talks about being, you know, she's, you know, she's dressed up like a car crash. You know, her wheels are spinning, but she's upside down. Oh, oh, I mean, there's so much in that lyric. I had spent, and I went, I, under, I heard that song. I just started crying. That was me. I was like, my wheels were going 90 miles an hour, but I wasn't going anyplace, baby. It was upside down. Completely upside down. Wrong thinking. He's not giving us the spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. sound uh, being more in the sense of like when a ship is sound. When a ship is sound she doesn't take on water. So she's referred to as sound. Uh, it's where we would have got the old word integrity. We all want to be a person of integrity. Integrity comes from the Latin integer which is a integer is a Where's all my math people? None of them? A whole number. It's, not, it, it's an integer. It has wholeness in it. It can't be divided. It's not leaking or divided. So it's, it's whole. So you give, give us, that's that new mind. It's the same scripture. Put on the mind of Christ. A sound mind. It doesn't leak. Did you ever have your mind leak? Yeah, I had a few dribbles in my day. Well, I've had a torrent at a time or two. Somebody shut off the main. <laughs> Galatians 5.1. This is, when you tie these together, you start seeing a canon of thought of what God's trying to get at with us. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And the slavery he's talking about is your mindsets, the way you think. And then you use the law to justify it. So is the law a horrible thing? No, legalism is. Because legalism takes the law and uses it to justify wrong thinking. Not right thinking, wrong thinking. Now, when you were a legalist, you told other people where they were wrong using scripture to do it. That's what legalism does. Legal. The word legalism means to bind again, from ligare, ligament. Binds again. God came to set us free. From the yoke of slavery. So it says that he who's in Christ has died to the law. <sighs> what? You can't use the Word of God as the law of God to defend or justify your position or put down somebody else's. It's an old way of thinking. so then he writes this and we'll close with this beware now this is Paul writing to a whole church he says beware then you should beware It means uh, have knowledge of it embrace it and go this is important pay attention Lloyd beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit According to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, he's not saying the basic principles are wrong. He said, Don't let anybody cheat you with it. Take advantage of it. Be very aware of this. And not according to Christ, for in him, in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Christ is all of God, and all of God is in Christ and you are complete in him cuz that seed of godliness was planted in you this changes a life every one of you young ones you are going to grow up and and the old writers in the Old Testament use symbols so that we'd understand it says you're going to be a yoke of, or an oak of righteousness you're going to grow up into this oak's a really big tree and it takes a long time for you to grow you're going to be an oak of righteousness why? because the seed of Christ was planted in you and nobody can take it away you can't even you can't pull a Bart Simpson and try and give it away or sell it, it doesn't work Who is the head of all principality and power. You are complete in him. God is doing a work in each one of us. I don't always like watching the work of God in other people. I don't always like other people. You may not always like me. But you are obligated in grace to do the same thing I'm obligated in grace is. And that's when you do things I don't like, I'll forgive you and move on. But there may be a time that we have to go, uh-uh. Well, we can't walk together because we're not in agreement. Because that's for the sake of others who have the same seed planted into them. Have you ever noticed that same stuff grows together? That happens. So we're on this journey of trying to understand, what is this canon? And then each of us, individually, this is what we have to say, I don't like all your strongholds. Because some of them hurt me. You may not like all my strongholds. Some of mine can hurt you. We hurt each other with strongholds. That's why it's so important that we get free of them. Because we become unaware Of what our strongholds are. And then when they start getting identified. You have to go to this canon and go. Wait a minute. I'm still accepting the beloved. And I can do it differently. I can grow and change. Because God means that seed to grow. My response is my response. Do I buck to push my way? Or do I say. Okay, God's up to something here. And this is what it's meant for me a lot. And I tell you, shut your mouth. Be, be quiet. It's time to listen, not a time to tell. Just and, and the seed starts growing. And your heart takes on a different way. And and then and that's called teachability. And God loves above all things, God loves a teachable heart. It's from Genesis all the way forward into the new covenant. He loves a teachable heart. And not the weird kind that says, I know what's right and you have to learn from me. The real teachable heart that goes, I need to be quiet for a while. Have you ever felt that? Nobody? Just time to be quiet. Just quiet. Just quiet and go, Holy Spirit, renew my thinking. Renew my mind. Let me look at it a different way. Talk to me. And, uh, you know, it's so funny. If you look at this, and I'll close with this, and we'll get out of here. The story of Job, and everything, there's so many things to learn from it. But what it is, I love the end of the story of Job. Because Job finally gets granted an audience with God. He's gone through all the hassles of the counselors telling him where he was right and where he was wrong, what he knew, what he didn't know. I can do that as a teacher. But then he finally gets, he's going to come before the Lord. And he's got some things that he says he wants to say to God. And he comes to whatever that looks like. Let's call it a gate. He comes to the gate, the threshold of the kingdom that God resides in. And he hears a voice before he sees anything. And the voice says this, Who dares darken the doorstep of my counsel? And it's like Wizard of Oz. You're like... God knows he's God in our life. And sometimes you need to shut up and not tell God what he should do. And not tell God what he should do about others. And then his eyes behold him. I'm giving you a real brief, I think it's like 42 or 46, whatever what that long chapter is. And he sees God. And you think he'd cover his eyes, right? You know what his response is? Now that I've seen you, now I see. I see. Think of what that means. I understand. Understanding comes in now that I've seen you I put my hand over my mouth and I go "Who? you're way bigger than I thought God's, that's the true fear of God not being afraid he's going to get you that's the fear of he planted something in you that is not you and is other than you it's him and he's big. And he has an intent in your life to see the seed grow. And even when you're bucking and kicking and don't want God showing you, guess what? He won't stop. Oh, let's do a nice song about, oh, no, he never lets go. But he never lets go. <laughs> and it ain't always a nice feeling. See, is this... This is how you get at those stronghold issues. That's how you have the courage to face them and go, yep, that's me. I don't think right about this stuff. And let God begin to work in your life. Usually involves other people. We're going to look at that. There are strongholds, and we'll look at that next week, what that means. And there are strongholds that are common to all of us that are the biggies. All right, let me pray. Lord, I ask that you take the weakness of thy words and make it meaningful for every person in this room, young and old, in between, moms and dads, aunts and uncles, that you would take something that was said and you would water the eternal seed that's in them, that you would give them some super thrive, that you would give them Lord, miracle grow right now in the Spirit. And that the seed that was in them would grow in such a way that they would flourish into your good intentions. In Jesus' name, amen. Summer? Yes, it's, it's, Summer's almost.
0: Uh, I just, um, breaking it down, I was thinking of the Lord kept triggering this memory in me of... Um, One of the little boys I nannied, I was like, you need to change your attitude. And he's like, well, how do I change my attitude, Miss Summer? And I prayed about it, and the Lord gave me um, whatever you feed grows. And I just feel like that's, like, the most basic part of this that we can hold on to for all of us kids and adults is that whatever we feed grows in our heart. And so, like, for me, I'm choosing to feed grace by sitting under your leadership and hearing this message. And I feel like that's the most basic thing you're asking us to do is like, I'm the beloved of God. That's feeding whatever you feed grows, you know? And and just asking the Lord to make our hearts good soil, you know? And like you said, that seed of God is in us. I want to feed that seed so it grows.
1: Let's pray with that. Lord, cause that seed to grow in us. Show us how to feed it. Lord, help us with our attitudes. We would be the people of God. We would be a people of grace and truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the love of God and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all and in you all throughout this entire, not just week, lifetime. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen.